you know, we're in for a treat today. Uh, Nathan's going to bring us the word, and he's ha- he's been having a little break the last number of weeks. How long is it, Nathan? Oh no, big break. He's having a big break. It's time to wake up now. He's been having a break. They've been um, very busy. Baby number three has come along. Been having a, a, a little break, getting things sorted out there. But now we're look at, we're in for a treat today. We're going to hear from from Nathan this morning. Give him a hand as he comes. Thank you. Very kind. It's a lot to live up to. Sorry? Three devices, yes. I didn't think I had enough. You may be seated. Thank you. Cool. I have some good news for you this morning. We are halfway through the book of Mark. Now, for this church, that's a record. We got through four chapters of Galatians last year, maybe only halfway through the fourth. So we're up to chapter nine, to 16 chapters. We're just starting the second half. So if you're excited about progress and and getting things on time, then we're on track. We're going to finish by November because we took a month out for Rise and Build. We started a little bit late for New Year's, so we're all good. We're on on track. It's exciting. So this morning... uh, yeah, Mark chapter 9, I'm going to invite Elin up in a moment just to read through the first uh, half or so of the chapter because there's so much in there that I can't get to in the uh, time that I have this morning. So just for the context, as we do uh, every Sunday, we're just going to have a little bit more. So just invite Elin up now, please, to read us Mark chapter 9, verses 1 to 29 in the Message Translation. So you might need to follow along on the screen if you don't have that one. Wow. Thank you, Elin. Oh, was it? Then he drove it home by saying, This isn't pie in the sky by and by. Some of you who are standing here are going to see it happen, see the kingdom of God arrive in full force. In a light radiant cloud, six days later, three of them did see it. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. His clothes shimmered, glistening white, whiter than any bleach could make them. Elijah, along with Moses, came into view in deep conversation with Jesus. Peter interrupted, Rabbi, this is a great moment. Let us build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing. Just then, a light radiant cloud enveloped them, and from, a deep, and from deep within the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, marked by love, listen to him. The next minute, the disciples were looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus, only Jesus. Coming down the mountain, Jesus swore to them to secrecy, Don't tell a soul about what you saw. After the Son of Man rises from the dead, you're free to talk. They puzzled over that, wondering what on earth rising from the dead meant. Meanwhile, they were asking, why do the religion scholars say that Elijah has to come first? Jesus replied, Elijah does come first and gets everything ready for the coming of the Son of Man. They treated this Elijah like dirt, much as they will treat the Son of Man, who according to scripture will suffer terribly and be kicked around contemptibly. When they came back down the mountain to the other disciples, they saw a huge crowd around them and the religious scholars cross-examining them. 
As soon as the people in the crowd saw Jesus, admiring excitement stirred them. They ran and greeted him. He asked, what's going on? What's all the commotion? A man out of the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my mute son, made speechless by a demon, to you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and goes as stiff as a board. I told your disciples, hoping that they could deliver him, but they couldn't. Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Many times it pitches him into fire or the river to do away with him. If there's anything you can do, do it. Have a heart and help us. Jesus said, if. There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of, them, out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. Seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you out of him and stay out. Screaming and with much thrashing about, it left. The boy was as pale as a corpse, so the people kept saying, he's dead. But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him. The boy stood up. After arriving back home, his disciples cornered Jesus and said, why couldn't we throw the demon out? He answered, there is no way to get rid of this kind of demon except by prayer. Thank you, Ewan. 29 verses, that's a fair whack there. So, yeah, I, I thought I could give you this kind of expository, exegetical, use lots of big words, 20 verse by verse message, but I, I won't this morning. I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for next time when Chris and Vicky aren't here. No, no j- just kidding. The, uh, so the title of this series is Encounters, and that, that first half of what Elon read uh, is an amazing encounter, and uh, one definition of an encounter is an unexpected meeting. So here the disciples are with Jesus up on mountain and Elijah appears and Moses appears. That might not be what you would expect um, if you're going to hang out with Jesus to pray, but maybe after a little bit of time with Jesus, you'd expect the unexpected. So there's a, a major encounter. Peter just blurts out stuff. He's just like, he's so gobsmacked at what's going on. He's just like, well, and he just let's build tents and let's build things for Elijah and Moses and then they go and so they have this amazing encounter and then they go from there and they they come to this town and that this father comes out and he starts to uh, talk to Jesus and so I'm going to uh, jump straight to verse 18 and it's the story of the demon possessed boy now if you remember the last time I preached uh, if anyone can, can think back that far I also had a demon story there, and you might think there's a bit of a pattern. Maybe I get all the demon stories because I was a naughty boy or something, but no, no, no. So I talked about the, a little bit about demons on that one, and I'm not going to focus so much on that, but there's, there's a lesson and a principle in this story that I believe this morning can bring transformation, and I'm believing that there's going to be encounters for people today, next week, just like every Sunday, but I've got a speci- special message, and I'm pretty excited about what can happen in people's lives this morning. I'm believing for hearts to be changed 
and for a shift in faith and belief. A shift in where you're at at the moment and what you're believing for and what's ahead and the, the walls that are in front of you. And I'm seeing and prophesying that it's going to be change and transformation and shift in belief and faith this morning. My pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Touch people's hearts right now. Soften us. Soften our hearts and encourage us and strengthen us and give us faith, we pray this morning. Amen. So in verse 18, the father's talking to Jesus, talking about his son, the demon, his demon possessed, and says whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. And all I want to say about what the demon does here is that you, you would make an assumption by the fact that the boy's thrown to the ground that he's probably standing or sitting. It's a little bit hard to get thrown to the ground when you're already on the ground. You've just it's called rolling. <laughs> so, so here he is do, doing life. He's he's walking. He's sitting, and and this demon comes along and kind of knocks him over every every time, whenever it seizes him. Then he goes on to say, "I told your disciples, hoping that they could deliver him, but they couldn't." So the qu- question fit. We've got a few questions for us this morning, but what do we have in our life that might stop us from? walking what do we have in our life that knocks us over every time we try and get up and move forward it throws us to the ground no matter how much we try and take a stand and progress forward and what have we tried to get rid of it this man went to the disciples and disciples tried stuff but they couldn't get rid of the demon so here's the clincher no mucking around this morning the father says to jesus in verse 22 if you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. Can you imagine walking up to Jesus and saying, if you can do anything? I can just uh, you know, imagine the crowd going around, oh, bro, check it out. He just asked if Jesus could do anything. That's my, for my New Zealand friends. It's like, can you imagine being in that crowd? Here's Jesus. This guy has the audacity to say, if you can. See, I think it's a good thing that I'm not Jesus. Because the story would have gone a lot different. Um, I haven't asked Brendan for a permission, but I've got the microphone, so that's permission enough. So if I was Jesus, the story might go a little bit like, if I can, hmm, let me think about this. I was there at the formation of the world. You getting it? I appeared on the Old Testament a few times. My first miracle, I turned water into wine. I walked on water. I fed 5,000. I fed 4,000. I calm storms with my voice and wait for it. If I was Jesus, it's coming. The clincher. The big moment. I've teased it out. It's been prophesied for years. It's been prophesied for hundreds of years. From the Garden of Eden onwards, it's coming. I even just told you about it as we came down the mountain that I'm going to die. I'm going to set people free. Give them an option for eternal life. (laughs) 
say it's a good thing I'm not Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus doing a mic drop? See, Jesus answers a little bit differently. He doesn't need all this noise, the clashing of cymbals, this raucous noise. He doesn't need that. Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, all you need is a few words. Verse 23, Jesus said, If, there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried, Then I believe, help me with my doubts. Jesus didn't need to shake him. He didn't need to make do all of that stuff. He didn't need to make a scene. He just said a few words. He was calm. And one simple statement from that encounter, that unexpected meeting, Jesus came to the town, brought a revelation to this father. And that brings us to this week's title, No Ifs. Now, I was talking about the title with somebody, let's say Elon before, and apparently I've got to be quite careful because my Kiwi accent, it can sound a little bit differently if I, if I say it too wrong. But no, no ifs. Jesus said, if there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. A few of you are chuckling away, I know. <laughs> it's all right. If you haven't figured it out, it's a good thing. If you have, it's another way to remember the message. Okay? <laughs> Whatever works. Sort of. See, we can have all the noise in the world to try and convince us of a particular way of thinking, to try and convince us that Jesus can do things. But we need a revelation for ourselves. We need that encounter. It's not about the noise. It's about that one-to-one encounter with Jesus. The amazing thing here is... Jesus spoke words. They spoke straight to the man's heart. And he immediately, no sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. He had this amazing conviction and this humility to go, wow, I just asked God if he can do something. Yes, he can. It's my doubt that's stopping it. It's my doubt that is getting in the way of this miracle happening. Because the problem is never whether Jesus could or couldn't. If he could, it was help me with my doubts. Some, uh, some versions, was, uh, instead of doubt, will say unbelief. See, the disciples struggled to believe. They came up against this demon and couldn't cast it out. They didn't have the, the faith. They didn't have the, the prayer background to cast this demon out. The father struggled to believe. He came to Jesus and said, if you can. It wasn't do this. It wasn't set him free. It was if you can do something. What I do want to say this morning in regards to that is it is okay to doubt. I'm not standing up here and saying, Oh, if you doubted God, you're a sinner. You've failed. That's not what I'm saying at all. Saying we we can all doubt at times. We can all go through times where our faith and our belief might waver. It is okay to doubt. It's human nature. It is okay to question. But what we should aim to do is not to live in a place of doubt and questioning, 
but to move through it. It's not somewhere you want to live. It's not that a street you want to live on. It's a street you want to drive through to get to the destination on the other side. It's not a place of parking yourself and saying, if you can, if you can, if you can, if you can. I'm not sure if you can. I don't know how this is going to work out. It's saying, maybe I'm doubting now, but I can see something on the other side. See, I believe there are people here today who have been saying, if for too long, been living in that place of doubt. It's time to go to the other side. It's time to push past doubt, push past unbelief. Today I want you to leave here saying no ifs. I want us to move beyond a place of doubt to that place of faith and belief. Turn to your neighbour and say no ifs. No ifs. I find there's, there's a number of good ways to build your faith, and one of those is to hear stories. Hear stories about how people have seen the impossible happen. To, that say, not if, but when. So I'm going to invite Elin up again to uh, share a little story. I'm just going to ask her a few questions. But um, Elin's got a great story. She's got this amazing job at the moment. I don't want to take too much of what she can share but I think it's going to encourage us this morning and maybe you're believing for a job maybe you're believing for something financial uh, or maybe not even related to job but just the fact of how God worked in this story and situation I think can uh, inspire us to believe as well so Elon tell us the situation before you got this job where were you at with previous jobs or what was the job market Where, where were things at for you um, so everyone who knows me well knows last year was a um, pretty bad year for me. Um, and I had just lost a job with Serco, which was a great job. Um, I was made redundant, and I'd never been made redundant before. Um, and then I took another job and got made redundant from that. And I remember Vicky being really angry <laughs> that I got made redundant twice. Um, and my job is a very specialist job. I say I'm a recruitment manager. I am. Um, but I set up shared service centres offshore for recruitment services. I design processes. I help organisations get from one state to another. So these kind of roles are really rare. They're very senior roles. Um, they're very specialist roles. Um, and there's typically only a handful of them, say between five and ten in Australia. Um, and between five and ten of those are in Melbourne and Sydney. <laughs> so, lots in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nada. <laughs> cool. So, the, the job you got at the moment—it's an amazing story, and it's a job you shouldn't necessarily yeah, have. So, tell have us why you shouldn't have got the job that you do. Have all the things that happened that led you to getting that job. So, the job that I've got—I work for Ernst and Young, which is just the most phenomenal company I've ever worked for in 25 years. Um, so, and I don't have a finance background at all. I know a lot of lovely people here do. So I'm not from that industry. Um, the job that I've got is a global job. Um, so it's another level of seniority up. So it's a global job based in Adelaide, which they never are. Um, <laughs> Where's your boss's office, just for context? London. London, yeah. Yes. So you report to somebody oh, in yeah. the UK. Yeah, um, and it's a very specialist job again, setting up... Um, shared services. I love to travel um, and already I've been to Manila, 
London and Paris. Next month I'm going to Toronto, back to London. Just, It's just a phenomenal job. It's just yeah. one. And the person, someone recommended me. So someone who I worked with at IBM recommended me right at the last minute where someone was actually in the final stages of being selected. So the vacancy wasn't live. Um, lots of people were being rejected. Um, and I came in at the last week. Yeah. So it wasn't even open. They it wasn't were, even they're open. They almost at the point of officially hiring a person yeah. when you came in. But leading up to that point, when you're looking for work, and so you're saying there's basically nothing for your type of work in Adelaide, why did you want to stay in Adelaide? So Adelaide, I grew up in Adelaide, then um, moved to London, um, then came back here. My family are here. What's left of my family are here. Um, so my brothers and my, my nieces, who are my absolute pleasure. I feel at home here. Um, Sydney's fun, but Adelaide's home. And I love this church. So, and I've got some old friends here as well. So I just I love Adelaide. Yeah. Love it. And so before the EY job came up, wh- what were you doing as far as... Yeah, considering the, those other options in your specialist area. Totally getting myself into a frenzy. Um, <laughs> so I was applying for jobs that I was in no way qualified for. Um, I got on a plane and went to Sydney. Didn't have any money, but got on a plane, went to Sydney, um, knocked on all the agency doors, um, went in and booked meetings with agencies, um, just basically was chasing vapour. Um, and I just thought Sydney was the only place I was going to get a job. I was about to get a contract job, which was basically me project managing a restructuring of 2,000 people. How miserable would have that been? <laughs> um, doing project management, which I'm not actually very good at. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I was chasing vapour. Yeah, so all that chasing vapour was happening even before the, the EY Absolutely, job came up. Absolutely, yeah. So and it was the end of the year, end yeah. of financial year, so nothing happens from November to March. And here I was looking for one of these 10 jobs in Australia where everyone was comfortably sitting in them waiting for Christmas. And this per- <laughs> the perfect global job based in Adelaide yeah. came up. And uh, so, yeah, in, in that process, I, I guess yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that was just kind of impossible and just kind of lined up. And um, the what kind of got you across the line to you considering Sydney and Melbourne and what was kind of going through your head and what were you praying sort of at, at that time? Well, one of the church leaders very bravely, I thought, because everyone was um, praying for me and encouraging me and feeding me and, and everything, but one of my church leaders challenged me um, and said, pray for exactly what it is you want and what is it that you want? And I so I want a job here with my skills and competencies, which is senior, but which is based in Adelaide. And as soon as I prayed that very specifically and let go and let God, it happened. Cool. That's amazing. Let's, let's praise God. Thank you. That's good. Elon's in our connect group, and for anyone that's spent any time with her, she loves that job. And the amazing opportunities to travel, the chance you got fam- you pick up from the accent, got family back in the UK, gets to visit family, and it's just an amazing blessing. Um, so wanted that to be an encouragement about what is possible. Uh, Elon stood firm about uh, it, it wasn't so much, it, it's easy to kind of go to the big cities for the careers and things, but she said no. Adelaide's where family is, this is where I feel at home, this is where I feel peaceful, I'm believing that God can do 
amazing things. I know when I moved to Adelaide, I had a boss, I was working for uh, Vodafone in North Sydney. My boss was the uh, state manager at the time. And he said, Adelaide, why would you want to move to Adelaide? There's no careers there. And funny thing is that now I'm probably earning, I don't know, 15, 20% more than what I was in Sydney at the time. Um, and, yeah, God still looks after you. It's like it, if you follow him, you follow the desires of your heart, you, you seek first his kingdom, then everything is possible. Where you, where you choose to have your family, where you choose to, to plant your roots, God can make a way, can make it happen. Wasn't even in my notes that bit. I'm going to get that off the podcast and remember that later. So in verse, in verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Ever since he was a little boy. Many times it pitches him into fire or the river to do away with him. That's a nice way of saying it tries to kill him. Other versions say it uh, very plainly. See, I wonder if there are people in this room or maybe listening on the podcast that have had a something for a long time, a, a demon or a, a, a something that's blocking them that knock, knocks them over and might have been from a young age, since childhood, maybe just a number of years. It's very easy to get used to living with that something, to settle, to accept it, to say, this is my lot, this is how it is. It becomes so normal that you stop believing, stop believe and stop praying, and it just kind of becomes an if. Or it might not even be something to pray about. Now, some people might know that uh, we've got some, I haven't told Carmen I'm going to say this, uh, we've got some struggles with Lucy at the moment, our, our third child, not settling, reflux, whatever, stomach issues. Now, that can lead to a lot of pain and, and not sleeping and, and things going on. So we pray. Every night when praying with Jemima, we pray for Lucy that she'll have a settled tummy. Now, some doctors and well many people say, oh, that's something that you grow out of after an amount of time, which might be true. Maybe she will. But we believe and we pray that something more than just growing out of it can happen. See, if we don't pray... Nothing will happen and maybe she'll grow out of it. But what could happen when we pray? Not if. When we believe that something will happen. We don't just take it as our lot. Now, something else a little bit personal is that I can relate because I was born with... Um, what's the thing? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have... Uh, in my mouth, I, what I don't have is I have seven less teeth than average in my mouth. Uh, what some people who know me for a while or know me closely or like look at my face um, in a sort of weird close way, like <laughs> unnaturally, might notice that I actually have two false teeth. Now, some of you probably know me for years and gone, huh? Now, this is something that on and off over years since since a teen, pretty much, because there's two teeth, either side of my front teeth, and everybody's looking around me closely, so I'm just talking like this. <laughs> and if anybody comes up to I'm not a freak show, people, so if you come up to me after and say, show me your front teeth, I'm not going to do that. 
But it's to say that sometimes it's things that right in front of us, and it's something that I've prayed for for a number of years. As a kid, I had those teeth. But when the second set came through, those teeth didn't exist. Uh, in the bottom, I have a middle tooth because one of the middle teeth did not come through as an adult. Uh, or the baby tooth just stayed there. So I have a middle tooth. So I'm weird. I'm very weird. <laughs> but, see, you, you, get, you can get so used to it. As a team, I would pray and believe that God, maybe God could grow extra teeth. And I, I do believe that. But as life goes on and as you get plates and false teeth, you kind of just move on and you get used to it and go, oh, well, I've been able to figure out another way. So you just kind of get on with life and move countries, get married, have kids. Things just happen and you kind of forget about that. And as I was preparing this message, I just felt like I had to repent and go, God, I believe and I'll start praying for it again. Uh, it's something personal, yeah, I haven't really shared with a, a lot of people but it's kind of obvious if you know what you're looking for. It's, it's right there, and if you, I didn't have it, you would really, really notice. And when I would talk, uh, my lips would flap around a bit more. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so you, you can get so busy and distracted, you might have alternatives. and So you just roll with it. It becomes the new normal. You even forget to pray for it and believe it. It might not just be a case of, if God, you just forget. Life goes on. See, I don't think if he can. I have always believed, I just sort of forgot along the way to, to pray that I believe he can and it's something I'm praying for that I could replace this plate with real teeth. And that would be a story. See, I, as long as... <laughs> yes, as long as I'm my teeth, yes. And, and there are other ways, and it's not to say that there might be other people here that have false teeth, and if you've got something drilled in them, you know, it would be a bit of a problem if real teeth came through at that point. But I don't have permanent ones. So, but I wonder what else do we have? You know, in this room, do we have a something that we've had for a number of years that we've just accepted as, as the way, as normal, as, as our lot in life, and Maybe there was a once where we prayed and we believed that God could do a certain thing for us, change a certain situation, make a way, and life just gets in the way, gets busy. And we just forget or it just becomes an if situation. Maybe you've just said, oh, it's genetic. Maybe it's my lot in life. It was because of my upbringing. It was just, it's just not going to happen. Or maybe it's because of my family situation I had. I didn't have a father, I didn't have a mother, I didn't have siblings, I didn't have a certain family set up. Maybe you're saying my finances have always been a certain way, so if, if God could do that, then maybe say I'm not educated, so if I could get a good job. See, I, I'm actually uh, not educated in the, my professional area of work. I have absolutely no qualification in, in where I work, and I still earn more than I did in Sydney. So I don't know, let that be an encouragement for somebody. If you work hard and believe that God will bless you and give you favours, anything can happen. And that's what I've always believed. I walked into job interviews and go, oh no, I've got this. But even if I don't get the job, I know I've got this interview. And uh, I've been actually given that feedback recently that on a couple of occasions I interview really well. 
Um, so that's good if anyone wants to interview me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so, but maybe we've got something that's to do with health, with money, with family. What is that something that maybe we've looked over or forgotten about or moved past? The thing that might be impos- considered impossible or just you can't believe for it. Now, for, for us, we have a car that we've had basically since we are married. Uh, it's, it's served us well. It's been super reliable with three kids, we want a bit more room. and So a year or two ago, we started considering about getting another car. And after the, la- the last one, we got a five-year loan, which is a, quite a common way of, of getting a car, particularly if you're getting a new one. But I haven't always made great decisions with money, and, and there's been debt that's come along. and So we kind of made this reasonably quiet decision that, as much as possible, we're going to believe that we can get the next car without going into debt for it. Now, that's not necessarily the that's not the way of the world. There's a lot of finance companies that would love you to be a customer and, and have a loan with them. And it's not to say necessarily that having a loan for a car is a bad thing. But we wanted to change our course in the family, change the way we did things and believe that there would be a way. So that was our aim and our prayer for probably the last couple of years and we just kind of kept doing life. Now, in the course of that, we had to make some financial decisions to change how we did things, change some patterns of spending, uh, control things a bit more and, and wait. And a lot of debt comes out of going for it straight away on the impulse. Now, through a combination of circumstances, we've got an amazing price on a, on a new car We've had some inheritance passed to us, and when we sell our car, we will have a brand new car with no debt. And given our situation, yeah, praise God. There's no ifs, it's a reality. And there's even a small chance, if certain circumstances go the right way, that we might not even need to sell the car, uh, and we still might be able to do it. But... We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, we, we know that we, we have that car, um, provided I don't crash the car and ride it off. And well, Actually, the insurance money would, would cover it anyway. Uh, we, we have a brand new car with no debt, and so we are free to move on to the next thing and believe the next thing would probably be a house, which is exciting, which after hearing the story from these guys a few weeks ago, um, heard bits of it before, but hear it all like that, I'm inspired as well, and I believe God can do amazing things if you're chasing a house as well. Maybe you've been trying to get breakthrough, but as Jesus says at the end of the story, in verse 28, after arriving back home, his disciples cornered Jesus and asked, why couldn't we throw the demon out? He answered, there is no way to get rid of this kind of demon except by prayer. Jumping back to verse 24, when he said, then I believe, help me with my doubts. Like the disciples who believe in their commission from Jesus but are unable to expel that spirit, the Father has sufficient faith to bring his son to Jesus, but he is unable to expel his own doubts. Then he prays for help. So you don't need amazing faith. There's the parable of the mustard seed. You just need faith. As small as a mustard seed, and then the tree can grow. The Father just had enough faith to say, 
you know, maybe he, he doubted, but he said, if I get my son to Jesus, maybe, maybe something could happen. And then it was in that moment, he just had enough faith just to come to Jesus. And then that encounter happened. Jesus spoke words that cut to his heart and convicted him and goes, help me with my unbelief. He had the humility to turn around and say, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. And he prays for help. See, maybe you just need enough faith just to bring, bring your son or bring your thing, your issue to Jesus, the thing you're believing for. That might be all you can do. Maybe it's all the strengths you can muster is just to kind of nudge it forward to Jesus. Maybe you can barely lift your hands in, in worship. It's, you can only just get it this far. But watch what Jesus can do. Maybe you might have been praying or confessing, if you can, Jesus. But my prayer right now is yet have a revelation to say there are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. In the new, uh, NIV version, verse 23, it says, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible. Message says anything can happen. Everything is possible for one who believes. And finally, Mark 11 Jumping forward, sorry, I'm stealing whoever's preaching on this one. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Jordan, could I take out, please? Let's just take a moment just to give some stuff up to God this morning. Give some stuff to Jesus. Maybe you just need to close your eyes. Maybe just, just look away to Him. What have you been believing for? What language have you been using about that situation? Is it an if? Or is it a when? In a moment, we'll have a chance to respond to that in some way. But first, I want to, as Loretta said earlier, give an opportunity to respond to Jesus. This man had an encounter. He met Jesus. Jesus spoke. Jesus' words changed his life, his outlook on his life. Maybe you're here this morning, you've come to church for a while, or you've been invited along, and you've, you've heard about this Jesus, but haven't made a decision to follow him. Maybe something in your heart is calling you, but you need to have your own encounter. For those that grow up in a Christian home, individuals, they need their own encounter to have their own relationship with Jesus. You can do it at any age, young, old. Anybody can come to Jesus. He's already done everything for you. Maybe you didn't expect this this morning. You just come along to church because you're invited or because it's habit. It's just what's done on a Sunday for you or the people that you're with. Maybe you just stumbled in the door. But Jesus is ready with arms wide open. What we do is we confess our sin, confess our need of him, accept the eternal life he offers us that's all so in a moment I'm going to 
give an opportunity for people to respond to that. Maybe you've done that before and you want to come back and say, yes, Jesus, I want that encounter. I want to accept you as my Savior. Things haven't gone to plan. Things, I've done it my own way. I want to come back to you. Maybe you have done that before. Maybe it'll be the first time. You want to understand a relationship with Jesus. It's something that builds over time. As Chris said, he's been talking this church for 19 years. Some people have been in church much longer than that, some much less. A relationship with Jesus is something that builds over time, but it starts with accepting him, accepting his offer of salvation and, and asking for the forgiveness of sins. So if there's somebody that would like to accept relationship with Jesus, accept him as your Lord and Savior this morning, in a moment I'll ask you to raise your hand and if there are people, I offer you to come to the front and love to pray with you. Maybe it'll be the first time you've done it, maybe it'll be the second time. So I just wonder if there's anybody across this room that would like to make that decision for the first first time or maybe you've done it before. I'll just ask you to raise your hand nice and high. It's something we do every week to give an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to have that encounter. If there's anybody here this morning, just raise your hand nice and high. Okay, moving on to responding to what Jesus was talking about. I might invite the band to come up, please. I want to give an opportunity to respond and like us to that last song we did before, the, the, uh, the chorus, nothing is impossible. So I'd like us to just sing this a little bit and just have an opportunity to come and commune with Jesus and, and to confess the words, nothing is impossible, to speak it into your situation, to pray, to believe that and change the language Change the attitude of your heart from no ifs to nothing is impossible. Everything is possible for one who believes. No ifs. Anything can happen. Just ask everybody to stand this morning. And I'm praying as we worship this morning, you have your own encounter with Jesus. And His Holy Spirit will come and give you strength and encouragement of faith. So let's sing this morning.